John chapter 19, we find Jesus at the cross. And he looks down and he sees his mother. And he says to John the Beloved, who was the only disciple that was there, the rest of them had fled. We'll share who was at the foot of the cross. But Jesus, in that moment of tremendous agony, he looks down at his mother and he looks at John the Beloved and he says, basically, Mother, behold your son. And he looks at John and he says, John, behold your mother. And the Bible says something very intriguing to me. That John did not argue. He didn't say, why have you picked me? Or, or I don't have the resources to do this. I can barely feed my own family. I, I have a hard time with this. He didn't do that. The Bible says that immediately he took her into his own home. And I believe he loved her as if she was his own flesh and blood mother. Would you bow your hearts as we pray this morning? Lord, what a special day this is. A day which... As a church body, we express our, our deepest love and devotion and appreciation to our mothers. May your sweet Holy Spirit minister to our mothers in such a loving and honoring way. And may we, as the blessed of our mothers, reevaluate our own response to our mothers in various ways. That they know that they are loved. We ask it all in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. I told Sister Susan this morning that I could have gotten her chocolate. I could have gotten her flowers. But what I wanted to do was just tell her from my heart how much I appreciate her in giving me and giving our family three of the most beautiful children that you could ever ask for. Now, I know that you're the same way. It's just it's my family I'm talking about now. And she made me explain it, and I did, but I can't explain it here. But I will tell you, God has been good to the Blackards. My mother was a loving mother that she loved the Lord with all of her heart, and I'm telling you, she took the rough edge off of my daddy. He was O-line Pentecost, and my mother was O-line Pentecost, but she had that smoothness about her that she could just smooth things out. I remember one day she went outside to get a switch to give me a spanking and I locked the door on her. That did not turn out real well for me. But mothers, you are incredibly special. And sometimes you don't even, I don't think you even realize because you feel like a lot of times that you're taken for granted. That you feel like that it's just mundaneness. You're in that routine, that routine of daily life, of doing the dishes and cooking the meals and doing the laundry and even uh, getting a job, having a job outside of the home. And yet at the same time, those of us who are closest to the ones we love, we do not share that love and appreciation like we should. Could I get an amen, men? And mothers, you are incredibly, incredibly special. Now I want to make a very intelligent sophisticated, mind-boggling statement this morning. In fact, you will take this statement and you will ponder it for years to come. You'll not be able to get it away from your thought pattern. You will think on this. You will ponder it. You will go over it in your mind. It is one of the most 
profound statements I have ever made behind this pulpit to you as the congregation apart from anything to do with Jesus. Are you ready? Are you ready? Come tonight and we'll tell you about it. No. <laughs> Listen to this. If it were not for your mother, you would not be here. If it were not for your mother, you would not be here. You are not an entity in yourself. You are not a success in yourself. You are not just all about me, myself, and I. If it were not for mother, you would not be here today. Well, I think that ought to deserve something besides, you know. Yeah, give the, give the ladies a good round of appreciation. We had a friend of ours that... She was telling us about her son, that was her oldest son that was born, and she said, Pastor, she said, he was the ugliest thing I ever saw in my life. But that grown man, he'd get his mama by, he'd get around her, and, and he would just kind of weep a little bit, and he would, he would just kind of do a little dance with her and tell her how much that he loved her. Listen, guys, if you don't know how to tell your mother you love her, stand in front of the mirror and start practicing. And pick up the slack. Well, that was not in these notes. The love of a mother and the love of a son. You well know that I'm speaking about the mother of Jesus, Mary, and Jesus, her son. John's gospel takes us on an emotional experience with Mary and Jesus. As we walk with Mary and Jesus, we feel the love that just uh, exuberates from Mary and from Jesus. We experience the emotions. You know, there are emotions in our lives. You know what? Mothers have emotions as well. If something is said that, that, is, that is not uh, appropriate or, or, not, uh, or not right, uh, the mother has that emotion uh, and she will maybe go off by herself uh, and ponder it and maybe weep a little bit. I made a statement to my mother one time and my daddy looked at me and he said, Son, if you ever say that like that to your mother again, you are going to go into heaven early. The love of mother. We live the high moments and we also live the low moments. Mary lived the high moments in her life and she also lived the low moments. Mothers, you live those high moments and you live those low moments as well. And no one can understand the love of a mother. You cannot really wrap your mind around it. It is something that is experienced. Oh, I tell you, even when you're getting ready to take your last breath, many will call out for mom, mommy, give me mom. How is it that when a child gets sick, they don't want grandpa, they don't want daddy, who they want? They want mom. You pick up the phone and there's somebody, one of your kids on the other line, you know, and they'll say, hey, dad, how you doing? Let me talk to mom. Am I the only one that's like that in our family? Sometimes when the phone rings, amen, and I see this one of our kids, I just take it over and give it to Susan. She had those emotional high moments and she had those emotional low moments as every Every flesh and blood mother has. A mother, you are the first to feel the miracle of life. 
Sister Susan, whenever she was getting ready to give birth to our children, you know, every now and then she'd say, boy, this child is really acting up today. Come over here and touch and feel. And I'd go over and I'd, I'd sit down beside her and she'd put my hand where she felt like that the baby was, was acting up, amen. And I don't know which one of our children kicked the most. And I'd feel that life moving inside of that woman. Come on, church, preach with me a little bit. How many remember those days, amen, when, when that life was moving inside of you and fellas, we'd have no idea. If the Lord thought it was easy, he would have named it something besides labor. Feel that life. The mother's the first one to feel the life. She's the first one to be able to emotionally go with that child to take them to school or pick them up from school or, or bathe them and get them ready or whatever it is or feed them or whatever it is or even, praise God, change their diapers. Mother's the first to feel the love and the miracle of holding that child. Looking at that child and being enamored by the fact that she gave birth to this little child. She's the one who carried that child for nine months. and She's the one who birthed that little child into this world. I will tell you, I don't know too much about this, but I can guarantee you that's an emotional high. But also a mother's the last to feel the pain. Of separation. When a child gets ready to leave home, and whether they leave on good terms or bad terms, I remember the day that I got ready to leave home uh, for about the sixth time. <laughs> My mother followed me out to the car and she gave me an envelope. And, and she, I said, What's this, mom? And she said, Well, you'll understand it. And inside of the, there's a little note in there, and there was several hundred dollars in there. And she said, Every time I did your laundry, I kept the change out of your pants. I didn't know what to do. I should have given it back to her. But I was kind of broke. So I took it. A mother is so incredible when it comes to, you know, putting her children. I'll never forget it. You know, I, I said, Mom, there's some things I never knew about you. When I was just a little. I said, Mom, I didn't know that you liked the neck and the backbone of the chicken. And then it dawned on me when I got a little older, that was all that was left. She would prefer to give the better pieces of chicken to her family and her kids. And then she'd take the neck and the back and, and, and you know, there's not much meat on that. You guys are looking at me like, man, he's in outer space or something here today. How many can identify with that? Mother always will put... You know, sometimes you have to almost insist that the mother goes and buys her something for herself because if she gets the extra money, she will usually not spend it on herself or she'll do something very small for herself and she'll give it away to her kids. Walk with us this morning with Mary and Jesus, with Mary as the earthly mother of the Son of the living God. She was very special. She was chosen of God. She was chosen of heaven. She was a virgin to give birth, and to hear Nicodemus say those words. Now listen to me, because this is the crux of where we're going with this message this morning. And that is, she was the natural mother of Jesus. And yet she heard those immortal words 
of Jesus when he spoke to Nicodemus. Ye must be born again. There is the dynamics that is beyond our comprehension and our understanding. Nicodemus, he said, how can a person go back into the womb of the mother when they have been born already? That's an impossibility. And Jesus basically said, you'll get it. You'll figure it out. You must be born again. I cannot imagine or understand the joys of giving birth, but I do know this. I've walked into hospital rooms where mothers have given birth, and sometimes the daddies are just as proud and as joyous as the mother. Oh, come, Pastor, come here, come here. Hold your baby. Hold my baby. Hold, let me get a picture, amen. With a very few exceptions, uh, mask up, Pastor, put some gloves on, amen, do some sanitation. Sometimes the, the fathers are just as excited as the mothers are. But mostly it is the mothers with joy in their countenance as they look upon their little child, their little baby. And Mary was no different when she held baby Jesus. Amen. There was something special in her life. She was very special. My own, little, my own sister, Suzanne. My mother and father had a hard time coming up with a name for them, for her. You see, they had Leslie Dean and Wesley Jean and Alvin Gaines and David Mack. Oh, wow, they got a girl. I, I hate to tell you this, but I've found a picture where that I was dressed up in a dress. I said, Mom, what is this? Oh, honey, I just wanted a girl so bad that one day I just... I just dressed you up, amen, like a girl, amen. And <clears throat> I said, can I take that for my scrapbook? Yeah. Anything to make Mama happy. And so they were having a hard time because they'd had so many little boys that they were prepared for another little boy, and now they had a little girl. And the nurse came in and said, Anna, why don't you name her Joy? They'd already established Suzanne, and so they said, they said, why don't you name her Joy, because she has brought so much joy to you. And so they put on the birth certificate, Suzanne Joy Blackie. Who can describe the joy that God would bring into the world through you, the mother, a mother? We want the very best for our children. But I will tell you this, that whether or not they, they turn out the way you want them to turn out or they don't turn out the way you want them to, the love of a mother remains the same. Anticipating the birth of her child, Mary composed one of the most beautiful songs that has ever been penned and is called The Magnificent. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of this humble state of his servant. And she goes on to say, thank you, Lord. For Mary, it was unique. She was a virgin. The angel appeared to her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Can you imagine the emotional roller coaster of Mary, the mother of Jesus, to have an audience with the angel from heaven saying, you're going to birth the Son of the living God. 
There was the miracle of the incarnation. God takes human flesh. The Son of God is born of a woman. Mary gave birth to Jesus and she wrapped him in clothes and she laid him in a manger. No wonder the Holy Spirit moved Elizabeth to say to Mary, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you shall bear her cousin who gave birth to John the Baptist. Mary, Jesus' mother, had not only the joys, but also the anxieties associated with the birth of Jesus. Giving birth brings the joys. Raising the child brings anxieties. And might I add stress as well. If you as a mother have not experienced anxieties and stress, then you, you're different. Your family's off the scales. Every mother has anxieties. Every mother has stress. Given the birth pains that brings the joy, raising the child brings these anxieties and stress as well. Somebody said to me the other day, Pastor, how are you doing? I said, I'm a little stressed. They said, well, you can change that. Just reverse it to desserts. Spell it backwards. If only my child is perfect, I would have no stress. I would have no anxieties. I will tell you that there's not a mother or a grandmother alive that does not feel like that their children or their grandchildren is perfect. Ten out of ten. If you don't believe that, then there's something wrong with you. Even though you may know deep down in, the, in your heart they're only a seven. Mary could say, oh, I've got the perfect child. I've got the Son of God. I've got the perfect child. Let me tell you, there's no perfect child when they hit to 12 years of age. Mark Twain said, whenever a kid is 12 years old, put him in a barrel. Drill a hole in the top of it so he can live and breathe. And when he gets past 16, plug up the hole. You say, Pastor, this is not biblical. The Lord was perfect. Yes, He was perfect. But I want you to think about this story, if you might. Uh, they had gone to the Passover. They had gone to, to, to Jerusalem. And, and they left. And they thought Jesus was with them. Uh, but He wasn't with them. Uh, he had stayed back. Uh, and He was in uh, the presence of the lawyers and the teachers. Uh, and they got a uh, three days journey. And they said, where's Jesus? And Well, I thought you had Him. I thought He was in your car. I thought He was with your car. I thought He was with... No, He's not. And they began to get stressed. And they turned around and they went back. And Mary is pretty disgusted with him. She's pretty put out with him. And she says, don't you know that your father and I have been anxious over you? We've been stressing over you. We didn't know where you were at. And Jesus just kind of smiles. 12 years old. He just kind of smiles. I must be about my father's business. I preached a message one time on the day that Jesus caused stress in his family. I can see this is not sitting really well with you, so let's just move on. <laughs> Mary, in her moments of high and in her moments of low, I want you to know something. I will tell you that whenever Don was born, I was a little bit uh, late getting there because uh, they sent me home. Uh, my mother-in-law sent me home because it was, Susan was having a really difficult time. And about the time I got home, got showered and, and got my pajamas on, got ready to lay down, amen, the phone rang and said, if you want to be a part of this birth, you better get yourself up here. And I'm telling you, when I walked through and I come into that, that hallway, there was two nurses and they had a gown and one had one on this side and one on this side and I just ran right into the gown. I got on down a little ways and another one gave me a, a, one of those head things, you know, you put on your head to keep 
keep your, it's like a surgeon's hat, you know. And then another one handed me a mask and said, right this way, Mr. Blackard. I walked in, Susan said, what took you so long? And I was a part of that. But I will tell you, we did what we could to be as cautious as we could. But the highs with Mary and the lows with Mary, she gave birth in a barn. Well, honey, I love you so much. But here's the deal. I've reserved a stall in the local stable down there, and that's where we're going to have this child at. She gave birth in a stall with animals. The only thing I would like to have had in the scriptures would be that when she gave birth and all the animals were, the animals started talking. Oh, listen, God can make animals talk. He made a donkey talk one time, didn't he? Huh? Hey, why you beat me? I've been good to you. I've carried your burden. Why you beat me? Because what he didn't know was, uh, the prophet didn't know there was an angel with a big sword right in front of him. Uh, and you know, and, the, and the, the donkey said, I should have just let the angel take your head off. Well, you can read it in the book of Kings. They had to travel because of the senses, and they traveled on a donkey. Amen. Now, this is before she gave birth. Wouldn't you like to say, well, I'm going to take you to Mama, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to drive from here to Florida, and you're going to ride the donkey. Now, I believe this. I believe that the devil was trying to abort that baby. Herod, if you remember, you know, he had all the two-year-olds killed, hoping he could catch Jesus in the mix. And here she rides on a donkey to go pay tribute. You talk about a low. Mary had to ponder the words. This is probably one of the most significant scriptures of the day today. When they took little baby Jesus into the temple, there was the prophet there they named Simeon. And there was a prophetess named Anna. And Simeon, whenever they walked in to present baby Jesus to be dedicated unto the Lord by the prophet, Simeon said, oh, thank you, Lord. I'm paraphrasing. Lord, thank you. Now your servant can die in peace because I am getting ready to hold a man, the redeemer of all of Israel. I am holding, going to hold this baby and dedicate this baby who is the savior of the world. Now you promised me that I would see the Messiah. And now I'm going to hold this Messiah in my arm. And then he looked at Mary and he said, Mary, you will have the rising of nation and men but the sword will pierce your soul as well. The sword will pierce your soul as well. And Mary pondered those words. When they left that day, she pondered those words. The joy of the high of experiencing the birth of Christ. The incredible birthing of her son. The incredible gifts that were brought to her and to Joseph. J.M.J. Ministries, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. Here's Mary, here's Joseph, they're sitting, now they're, they're out of the barn by now. There comes a knock at the door, that's a very expensive looking man in clothes standing at the door. He said, I'm here to present gifts to Jesus. 
Come on in. Somebody, Dr. Drew Doran said, I've got gifts to bring to you. What would you do? Absolutely. Come on in. Let's see what you got. And praise God, it wasn't an Amazon box. <laughs> and they walked in and they gave a bunch of gold to Joseph and Mary. And Je they dropped gold at the feet of Jesus. I don't know about you, but that would get my excitement meter up. And that would get my emotional thing way up there. Woo, glory, they brought, they brought me gold, amen. Next one brought silver. And then they brought some very expensive perfumes. You talk about emotional high. Great anxiety as well. Is anyone getting anything out of this this morning? Love of a mother. One day, Jesus was in a packed house. Mark chapter 3. And the crowd was trying to get in to see Jesus. They were trying to get in to, to have a, a moment with him to teach and to share. And somebody came to Jesus and said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are trying to get in. And they can't get in. And Jesus made a statement that day that had to have worked on Mary and his brothers. With the crowd in the house, he said something that I'm paraphrasing. He looked around and he said, here are my mother and brothers. Whosoever does the will of my father is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Now, when word got back to his brothers and word got back to Mary, it was like, he's disowned us. Now, you don't find that in the scriptures, but what was going through our mind? He wouldn't even acknowledge me as his mother. He wouldn't acknowledge his brothers. He said that we're, if we do the will of God, everybody else, all these strangers here are my brothers and my mother. But oh, there's such logic to this when we get to the end of the message. Can you only imagine what went through her mind and her heart? This little one that she loved so much and raised. Now doesn't even acknowledge her as his mother. But acknowledges all these strangers that are out there. You were in that crowd that day. You were the ones that Jesus was saying is his brothers, his sisters, his mother. Amen. Oh, you are the ones as he was looking forward in time and space. The love of a mother and the love of a son is so evident in the scriptures. Let us fast forward to Jesus on the cross. Oh, the emotions of his mother, Mary Magdalene, the wife of Cleopas, and the great apostle John. Oh, the highs and the lows of raising Jesus. Coming like a fast forward a movie. As she pondered and she looked upon her beloved son. The love of a mother and the love of a son begins to begin to display. I'm sure that Mary began to think back on that day that she came to Jesus. And she said, the wedding party is out of wine. 
that was a custom of that day that they would serve the wine. And Jesus, he said, he said basically, Mom, why are you asking me to do this? I have not come into my own yet. I haven't come into my glorification. But then he says, go and get the vessels. Bring them. And pour water into them. And I will tell you that Mary was there. She saw it all. As they poured the water in and as the water was in the presence of Jesus, of Nazareth, of Jesus, the Son of God, that, that water began to blush in His presence and began to fermate, not like we have fermentation here, but it began to change into a rosy red wine color. And they were sending it to the head of the house of the wedding and they served it. And He came and said, oh, what have you done? Most people will give the very best at first, and then when people get drunk, they give them the worst. But you have given them the best to the last. Well, because they run out of man-made wine, and now they got, oh, this morning may we drink of that new wine. Oh, not that you get it brown derby. Where you get from the throne room of heaven. There's something here for every mother today. What will sustain you through the pressures and anxieties of life that you face as a mother? When you look into the eyes of your children and you know that you birthed them with a miraculous miracle birth, what happens in your life is you need to say, Lord, I thank you for the natural birth, but Lord, I desire and pray for my children to have spiritual birth. Lord, it's more important, you know, you, you helped me and, and I birthed this child, uh, with a little help, but I birthed this child and, 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 you know, but Lord, it's good. It's been a good run. I've, I've enjoyed my children. I've enjoyed it. Now they're grown and they have their own family. But Lord, what I want more than anything else is that spiritual birth. And so Mary is getting ready to make that transition. You see, Mary... She's the one who planted kisses on the brow of that little child. Oh, how many of you just love to kiss those little babies? Missy, you and me. To caress that child and hold that child. Amen. Now, some children, when they get up to be past toddlers, they just won't have it. They won't, they won't sit in your lap. They, you know, they look at you, and about the time they get to you, they'll deviate and go to the right. And if you don't believe me, just try it with Zealand. She would kiss that brow of that little child. And I believe that, amen, I believe that a good mother kisses her child whenever they're 12 years old. And I believe that a good mother will grab a hold of that child whenever they're 35. Get over and give your mama a hug, boy. Get over and give your mama some kiss. I love it when we do it in public. She had planted kisses on his little brow and now she's looking at him on the cross and she's seeing a crown of thorns that had been placed on his brow. The blood dripping down. She who held those little hands as she helped him to steady himself as he walked and she would hold him between in front of her with both hands and she, he would not stumble and fall. He, he would just walk and she'd take him by the hand and lead him around. And now she sees the nails going into the prints of his hands to hold him upon that cross. 
Can you only imagine the emotional roller coaster that Mary, his mother, was having? She who had cradled him in her arms now saw him wreathing alone on the garbage dump of Jerusalem with life ebbing out of him to where that when they put him on the cross to get another breath, he would take and he would be slumping down. And as he slumped down, he would, everything that was within him, he would push himself up to take a breath. Then to witness, a soldier walk up and strip him of his clothing. Lay it out on the ground in front of Jesus. Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene that we saw so eloquently on the videos Wednesday night. John, the beloved. They began to decide who would take their clothing because they knew that he was getting ready to die. He was, a, he was a, a Roman prisoner and it was very sadistic in how they uh, conducted their executions. He got thirsty and asked for a drink. And they gave him a sponge of vinegar. Cruelty. And he did it for you. And he did it for me. But he also did it for his mother. We don't know much about Joseph. Many of the scholars think that he went ahead and died. Because he just, he just needed to go on to heaven. But he did it for Mary. Jesus didn't say much on the cross. He said, you thirst? Dr. Swindoll made a statement one time, and I think it's, it's worth looking at. You see, when the Roman soldiers got to the robe of Jesus, the robe was a seamless robe. It was a, a robe that had been made with a lot of care and a lot of love. He didn't go down to J.C. Penney's and buy it. He didn't go to Macy's and buy it. It had to have been handmade. And when they stripped him of that beautiful robe, that seamless robe, and it was so valuable that they did not want to just, just tear it up and, and, and give it to the soldiers, they decided they would cast lots. And here, Brother Swindoll said, that robe, no doubt, was made, custom made by Mary, his mother. That she had labored over it. She had made this beautiful robe for him. And when they were taking it from him, it was the most personal thing that he had with his mother besides the memories and the miracles. And when they stripped him of that, it is then that he looked down at his mother and he realized that he needed to take care of his mother because he loved his mother. He said, Mother, behold your son. He looked at John. He said, John, behold your mother. All of a sudden, there was a transference of sonship. Well, you got to get this this morning, church. All of these years, 30-something years, 
Mary was his earthly mother. She did everything in her power. But you see, Mary needed salvation just like the rest of us need it. And there had to be a transference of relationship. He had to move her from being his mother to being her Savior. And so he gave John the responsibility of the earthly realm. And he moved her into the spiritual realm. Oh, did you get it this morning, church? You talk about love. I got so excited when I got to this point, making this message in the office that I just had to pause for a minute and say, thank you, Lord. Amen. Because we all have to have that spiritual, you must be born again. And that day, Mary moved from being the natural mother of Jesus. Oh, praise God, to having salvation come into her heart, salvation into her life, so that whatever she did and everything that she gave to Jesus is nothing compared to what Jesus gave to her that day. He looked at the thief and said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He was all about salvation at that point. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that who is lost. And Mary understood the saying that Jesus said in the crowded house. Whoever does the will of my Father, whoever becomes saved through the blood of Jesus on the cross, amen, they become my brother, they become my sister, they become my dad, my mother, they become uh, to me in the spiritual realm. And Mary went back and said, oh, thank you, Jesus. I understand it now. You weren't disowning me. You weren't pushing me aside. You were making room for your creation to come to salvation through the ministry of the cross. You know, I, as I was working on this message, I, I said, Lord, I, I love putting a little humor in. And the only real humor that I could come up with today is, is that Jesus was born in a barn. Have you ever had your dad say to you, son, were you born in a barn? Your room smells like a barn. It looks like a barn. You know, come on, shut the barn door. Am I the only one that had that? It's like you were born in a barn, boy. So let me go back over these real quick. A mother's joy, a mother's highs and a mother's lows. The love of a mother and her son. Mary salvation. When his side was pierced, she remembered the words of the prophet Simeon. Now she changes relationship. I don't know where you're at today in your life. But I will tell you that the Lord did not die on that cross just to be dying on a cross. He died on that cross for you and for me. And it doesn't matter whether or not we feel like that we are worthy. It doesn't matter whether or not we feel like that we deserve something from the Lord. It's strictly a gift. Everything that the Lord did on Calvary's cross, He did it in order that you might have eternal life and be with Him forever. 
Now, they tell me that the labor pains are probably some of the most difficult pains that there is. I was trying to make Sister Blackard uh, laugh a little bit, and she flat looked at me and said, Would you please shut up? I saw blood vessels bust on, burst on her shoulders. And I knew the girl meant business. But they also say that the birth pangs of a mother is quickly forgotten when the child is born. And that a mother will tell you that they'll look back on their experience of giving birth and they will say it is worth it all. Praise God for epidurals. Even if they give it to you too late. Give me that shot. Yeah, but honey, it's going to be too late. It's not going to take effect. Give me that shot. So here's where we're at this morning. We're going to shift gears in just a moment, and we're going to give out gifts. But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't give you an opportunity just right where you're at to say, Lord, thank you for giving me the gift of salvation. Thank you, Lord, for giving me brand new birth. Thank you for bringing me into your kingdom. And let me tell you this. You may be here this morning and you may be physically struggling. And the doctor may have said that it doesn't look good. But I've got news for you. Ten out of ten are going by the way of the grave. But how many will go into the grave being a son or a daughter of the Most High God? How many will go in with their sins forgiven and their sins sent on ahead to be dealt with and that nothing shall follow? That's why that the church was birthed. That's why that the church is open on Sunday morning. That's why the church has the lights on. That's why that we have such a beautiful worship team that will get us into that mood or into that, into that moment of ushering into the very presence of God to stir our hearts and to massage our hearts so that when the pastor gets through preaching and gives an altar call or gives an opportunity for you to accept Christ, you're ready to do it because it just makes sense. If you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor, this is a good day for me just to make sure that everything is right between me and God. All you got to do is say, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Sister Susan, when she did Children's Crusade, she closed with, into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. We don't have to make a big fanfare thing. We don't have to have you come out and walk all down the aisle and then go back and walk it again and weep and cry and blow snot out of your nose and everything else. That's kind of old Pentecost. All you got to do is just say, Lord, what Pastor Blackard is talking about, I want. I just want you to forgive me my sins. Simple. And then, Lord, give me the power and the wisdom to be able to walk after you. Lord, if there be anyone here this morning that would make that prayer, I pray they'll pray it right now. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today. Come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, and it's that simple and that quick. I'm glad we don't have to beg God and cut deals with God. All we got to do is just come into his presence and say,
Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. 